Live from the fish tank, it's your host Ronnie with another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast. And folks, this is a very fun episode to record, even though I'm by myself today, no guest. But that's because we have three sports to talk about. And boy, oh boy, is that. It's it's DSAC at its best, having three going at once, the chaos, the excitement. It's hard to top in, in the fantasy setting. So, uh, yeah, we get to talk all about that today. Plus, at the very end, a bonus power ranking, which I'm sure will probably ruffle some feathers. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that at the very, very end. The first matter of business, uh, let's do football. Uh, we had two trades. In football, the first was Spencer trading Amari DiMercato to Barry in exchange for a 2024 fourth-round draft pick. Spencer holding true to his thing of like, hey, uh, give me literally any draft pick and you can probably have one of my acceptable quality depth players. Surprised not more people have took him up on that offer. But Barry Diggett and Murray DiMercato, and running back is certainly a position of need uh, for Scunthorpe. So like that trade a lot for Barry. And Spencer gets, you know, a draft pick for uh, someone who we got for free off the wire. It's, it's good business on, on both sides. The other football trade also involves Spencer. That is Spencer trading Tyrod Taylor and $5 million in cap space in 2024 to Alex in exchange for Josh Dobbs in a 2024 fourth. And as I am recording this on Tuesday night, uh, Tyrod Taylor is very much injured, and Josh Jobs has been traded to the Minnesota Vikings to be the new starting quarterback after Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. So, uh, yeah, this is one where Alex would have been better off just holding out for one more week on Josh Jobs, but instead he traded him away, and now he's down to one quarterback for this upcoming week. But it's up against... Well, we'll talk about who he's up against when we get to that point, but it's not going to be the end of the world for Alex, most likely. But yeah, just uh, the fantasy gods have have a funny way of having their fun with us. I've felt the, the brunt of that many times, uh, so definitely feel for Alex a little bit there, but yeah, that's just, it's incredibly unfortunate. Otherwise, it seems like a fairly fair trade, you know, mid-quarterback for mid-quarterback. Mid might be a bit positive for those two, but and you can do the fourth round pick and you get a little bit of money. Sure. Feels about right to me. Alright. Let's get into the matchups from week eight. Our first matchup up is gonna be Sean going up against Keith. The magician bounces back from his loss last week. It's back to winning ways. 140.36 to 123.16. We have A.J. Brown going for 29 points. I believe he set a record for Mo. Yes. Six straight games with at least 125 receiving yards. He's, he's a monster. He's one of the very best fantasy wide receivers. He is wide receiver two on the year. Uh, big week for him. As I said, the, the 125-yard streak 
to get the exact numbers for this most recent week, he caught eight balls for 130 and two touchdowns. That's how you get to 29 points. Man, having the wide receiver two on your team is a blessing. The only thing that would be better would be having the wide receiver one. And, oh, wait, that's Tyree Kill, who is also on Sean's team and who caught eight passes for 112 yards and a one touchdown last week. He has a touchdown in every game except for one. Uh, he's gone over 100 yards in every game except for three. 21.2 points for Tyreek Hill. And when you put that together with A.J. Brown, that gives you a good start. Uh, no other standouts there, really, but uh, able to get by Keefe. Jalen Hurts goes for 27.36 points for Keefe. QB2 on the year. He threw for 319 and four touchdowns. Did not run for one, though. The brotherly shove got stopped. Uh, fumbled, I believe, in fact. And when you're throwing for four touchdowns and two of them go to an opposing player, it's not uh, not great, but... Oh, hey, Hurts had a really good week anyways. Uh, other of note, Gus Edwards, 28.4. He ran for three touchdowns uh, with 80 rushing yards this week. Big week for Gus, the Gus bus. Uh, the next matchup up is Nathan taking on Josh, 130.54 to 91.1. Josh actually had a pretty good week for his standards. Well, for his standards, luckily Nathan surpassed that. Uh, of note for Nathan, big quarterback week for Nathan. Justin Herbert uh, going for 24.02 points, 298 yards and three touchdowns. And Joe Burrow, 27.62. Starting to look like Joe Burrow again. That's great news for Nathan. That's going to be something he's really going to need. 283 yards and three touchdowns. Ran for 43 more. Over on the other end here, though, uh, for Josh, Taysom Hill. Uh, we're at the, the point of the season where Taysom Hill has a nice couple of weeks. Uh, almost ruins some matchups for Josh. And then he goes back to just disappearing again. Uh, on this one, he uh, ran for two touchdowns. <laughs> I don't know. 21.96 points for Taysom. He's just... it. He, I don't really understand how to describe Taysom in general. But, like I said, he's having his hot streak of the year again. Uh, we'll see if maybe anyone uh, takes him up on uh, trading for Taysom Hill. I know Josh has uh, advertised him as on the block. Next up was the Cashew Crew Nut. Take it down, Spencer. 112.84 to 107.34. And a good close one. This was Spencer. Can't be can't be loving the the proximity of these two scores, but at the end of the day, Nutt was able to finish ahead. Uh, 21.6 for Jalen Waddell. Seven catches, 121 yards, and a score. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously the, the big one here. That's... The, the matchup winner for Nutt. Four catches, 128 yards, three touchdowns, making the most of Will Levis's promotion starting quarterback. But uh, it's worth noting here that with Nutt, too, Hayden Hurst put up a zero, and so did Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, uh, oof. This is the first year of a big contract he signed with Carolina, and uh, he's gone over 10 fantasy points once this year. He has as many games over 10 fantasy points as he does Zero. That's just not what you want to see if you're a Carolina or not. Meanwhile, over on Spencer, Josh Dobbs, 22.92 points. QB 12 on the year somehow. I don't 
understand this. And wouldn't you know it, his game log is wiped because he was traded and ESPN is incapable of uh, just having his previous games. So I'm going to assume he did good because he threw for enough yards and touchdowns to get the 22.92 points. Rashid Shahid, 22.8. couple big plays there for Shahid. Three catches, 153 yards and a touchdown burning the Indianapolis Colts who have a dreadful secondary. No depth there whatsoever. But that's beside the point. Next up is Scunthorpe. 136.54 to Mike's 87. You know, a decent week for Mike. Uh, if, if Mike is scoring 87, a lot of things went right for him. But at the end of the day, he's not going to pose a threat to most teams. And uh, Barry able to get it done. Third highest scoring team for Barry. Could have been first highest scoring if he wanted to start his best possible lineup. But uh, we don't need to get into that. Sam Howell, 30. points, threw for 397 yards and four scores. That'll do it. That's a very, very good week. CeeDee Lamb, finally uh, having a a big week for the first time in uh, a little bit here. 12 catches, 158 yards, and two scores. 35 points for him. Meanwhile, over on uh, Mike's side, well... Javante had 17.3, but we're not going to... I don't want to devote too much time to people who score under 20 points if I can't help it. We need to make these segments, you know, a little easier to listen to. Um, Next matchup up is Objection Protection. Kevin taking down Tom 143.5 to 126.06. This is another instance of Tom scoring over 120 and picking up a loss. Man... (laughs) You just, you hate to see it. I've been there. Uh feel bad for Tom. Tom is very much deserving of a playoff spot this year with the way his team has performed. Luckily for him, his hard part of the schedule is over. The only super challenging matchup he has left is me. Outside that, he's got mostly tanking teams or mid-teams. There's a legitimate chance Tom goes 5-1 and one or even 6-0 and oh to end his season. And uh, that would very much put him in perhaps playoff contention, depending on how some of the other bubble teams do. But we can take a look here at Kevin's team. Dak Prescott leading the way. 28.06 points. 304 yards and four touchdowns. Having CeeDee Lamb go off uh, surely helped that. And a dynamic rushing duo, Alvin Kamara, who is running back 14 on the year, by the way, despite missing the first three games. 25 points for him, 59 yards and a touchdown on the ground. 51 yards and a catch or a touchdown through the air. Travis Etienne. Couldn't quite match Kamara. He managed a paltry 24.4, 79 yards, three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. A uh, nice week for him. Meanwhile, over on Tom's and Josh Allen continues to do Josh Allen things. He's QB1 on the year, 29 points, 0, 06 points, 324 yards through the air with two scores, 41 yards on the ground for one score. But uh, ultimately, just not enough uh, with the skill positions. For Tom, couldn't quite get past Kevin. Our penultimate matchup is Alex, 114.74 to Paolo's 96.56. Even the bad teams putting up really good totals this week. The lowest score was 87. This was a really, really good week for um, not seeing teams just dreadfully tank. Uh, Looking through Alex's team here, this was... 
effort by a committee. Not a single player broke 20 for him. Austin Eckler came close, but outside of Pollard, Kirk, and Goddard, it was mostly a lot of pretty solid performances. B.J. Robinson was not sick this week. That's very helpful for Alex. Uh, but we did get a couple 20s on uh, Paolo's and Jamar Chase, 20.2, 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. And Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson, after having only one week above 10 points, goes for 20.8, 8 catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Only his second touchdown on the year. The most catches and most yards he's obviously had in a week. But uh, at the end of the day, couldn't quite get it done. Darren Waller goes for 0.9. Ty Chandler for 0. And it wasn't enough. Would have been kind of close, though, if, if Paolo had a decent, even 10 points from those two positions. That's a win. But Alex survives. And we move on to the final matchup, where your Blue Water Walleye, 124.36 points to Ping's 104.38 Christian McCaffrey has tied the NFL record for most consecutive weeks with a touchdown. He found the end zone twice, once on the ground, once through the air as he goes for 26.8 points. And Baker Mayfield, 21.38 points, 237 yards, and two touchdowns to do so. Meanwhile, for Payne, Kirk Cousins came agonizingly close to 20 points. Maybe he would have done it if he didn't pop his Achilles, but... That sucks to see, but hey, at least on the bright side, Ping has a young, upcoming quarterback in Kenny P- Oh, Yeah, he also uh, got hurt this week. Yeah, he was a limited participant in practice, though, so there is a chance. But uh, it is a Thursday night game, so that's not great, but... We'll see how he does there. But hey, if, at least beyond that, he drafted a nice upcoming, another up-and-coming quarterback in Anthony Richard. Uh, shoot. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate for, for Ping there. But we can now do the team of the week. Oh, and I should mention, too, of course, that that matchup between Ping and myself was indeed for the belt. And, folks, your Blue Water Walleye. Successful defense of the belt. You love to see it. You, you, you love to see it. All right, now that I've done stalling with my mouth to get caught up here, let's do team of the week. Your quarterback of the week is going to be Sam Howell, 30.98 for Barry. At running back, you're going to have Gus Edwards, 28.4 for Keefe, and Christian McCaffrey, 26.8 for Ronnie. At wide receiver, you're going to have CeeDee Lamb, 35 for Barry. DeAndre Hopkins, 32.8 for Nutt. At tight end, you're going to have (laughs) Taysom Hill, 21.96 for Josh. In the flex, we're going to have Alvin Kamara. Oh, actually, no. A.J. Brown, 29 for Sean. And then Alvin Kamara, 25 for Kevin, in the Superflex position, it's going to be Josh Allen, 29.06 for Tom. And at kicker, Riley Patterson and uh, Brandon McManus, uh, 16 apiece. Patterson for Sean McManus for Ping. 
now that we've got that, we can take a quick look at who was actually the standings first. We'll do the standings, then we'll look at who was playing who. In the standings, three teams sit tied atop the league at 7-1. and one. Sean, Kevin, and Alex. The Blue Water Walleye are in fourth place alone. No ties. Uh, the first three teams all have a 99% chance to make the playoffs. The Walleye have a 98% chance, and that's because ESPN must be very familiar with the Walleye football document, and they know that there is never, never a guarantee that the Walleye are going to make the playoffs until the math literally says there's no chance they'll miss. And even then, I'm not sure I would believe that math. Anyways, we have a three-way tie for fifth between Ping Nathan and not all at five and three of those. Nathan is the only one above 50% odds with the playoffs. Barry and Keith tied for eighth, both with a little over 40% chance with the playoffs. They're tied at four and four. Beyond those, we have two teams at two and six tied for 10th, Tom and Spencer. Tom with an 11% chance. Spencer is eliminated. Paolo and Josh tied for 12th at one and seven. Paolo's still alive, but Josh is eliminated. I I can't say I'm a, understanding how Spencer at 2-6 and six is eliminated, but Paolo at 1-7 and seven is not. But ESPN will do what ESPN does and bring up the rear. The only winless team, Valley Jobin, 0-8, 0% chance to make the playoffs. Mathematically eliminated as well. The matchups this week, the Blue Water Walleye face off against the Connecticut Whale. Surely, nothing can possibly go wrong for the walleye in a matchup against Josh. That would be unprecedented. We got Paolo versus uh, Mike in a... Uh, this will be a, a good tank battle. One of the, the last... Uh, Got to be one of the last challenges Mike will have to his winless start. We have Tom versus Spencer. This should be a pretty uh, a walk in the park for Tom. We would Both teams would hope. Uh, we got Nathan up against Barry. This will be a big playoff matchup here. Barry needs this win. Nathan needs this win. We'll see what happens. We have Keith versus Ping. This is another one for playoff playoff odds here. Ping is in a bit of a free fall here, and he's going to need a win here. Keith is in a weird spot where he needs to to win as well. But on paper, his team probably doesn't stack up with some of the other bubble teams. So probably unlikely he gets in. I don't know what the rest of his schedule is. We have Alex and Kevin, which will be a really good one. But Kevin, unfortunately, has uh, some bye weeks. And Jefferson is still out. So Alex, despite only having one quarterback this week, will be favored. And favored by more than a couple points. And lastly, we got Sean and Nut. You got to think Sean will, will roll here. But that'll be football upcoming for week nine. And to recap, of course, for week eight. All right, we can move on now to hockey. We have one hockey trade. And it was a fun one. Andrei Svechnikov is packing his bags and flying over the pond, or across the pond, I guess we should say, uh, to land in Scunthorpe. Now, I believe he was previously with Colorado, obviously, but I don't know if he was around when Colorado made the switch to Scunthorpe. 
Either way, bit of a homecoming there. But it's one Russian in, one Russian out, as Mike receives Mikhail Sergachev, plus Brock Faber and Braden Schneider. Barry also receives a little bit of cash this uh, for... Yes, this year and next, I think. Or is it 2024 and 2025? I might have to... Oh, God. I might have messed that up in the sheets. Um, I am going to... We're going to do this live on the air, folks. I'm going to DM Mike, who is surely asleep at this hour. He will get back to me in the morning. Because I'm going to need to make sure that... Uh, oh, boy. Uh, okay. Can you please check that... I put the money in your trade with Barry in the right years as I am recording the podcast. I am second guessing myself. When you listen, you'll get to hear me as I type this out and talk to myself for what I wanted to ask you. All right, uh, actual um, trade opinions here. So getting the cash back for Barry makes this a a pretty, pretty fair trade, I think. Um, I would personally rather have Mike's end mainly because I think Sveshnikov and Sergachev are of similar enough value that I will take the guy who is on a contract that is nearly half of what the other one makes. Sveshnikov is a very talented player. He's going to put up points. He's going to put up power play points, and he's going to shoot the puck a lot, and he's going to put up some decent hit totals for a winger too. So he's not an empty calories winger. He's not Jonathan Huberto. But I just question if he's a $9 million player and he's on an expiring deal, which means that he's out for extension next year. And if Barry's trading for him, you got to figure he's assuming he will extend Sveshnikov, which means Sveshnikov's salary next year will be more than $9 million. In fact, it'll probably be north of $10 million. So I, I, I just question if Andrei Sveshnikov is a... 10, 11, 12 million dollar player I don't think he is and if you have Mikhail Sergachev instead for five and a half I think it's at for similar value I would rather have Sergachev and then you throw on Brock Faber and Braden Schneider we'll do the thing I do like twice a year where I Brock Faber comes up on the podcast and I talk about how he's a phenomenal real life player if I were a general manager in the NHL, I would love to have Brock Faber on my team. He's like the ideal second-pairing defenseman. He'll kill penalties. He'll shut down the opposition. He's a very smart player, very good skater, very good with a stick, not afraid to block shots as we've seen in his NF- NHL uh, time so far. Not exactly the uh, the smart, uh, the best offensive acumen out there, but... He can move the puck a little bit. He's just not going to put up a ton of points. But he'll be good for blocks, and he will definitely have a D-sack role. And Braden Schneider, another good guy for blocks. I think he'll hit, definitely hit a little more in favor. I, haven't, I don't have his stats in front of me, but pretty sure Schneider likes to throw the body a little bit. So 
Mike will get two defensemen who fit a certain role on a team, plus Mikhail Sergachev. Let this trade for him, but you know, even though I don't love the Sveshnikov contract, Barry does get some money to help offset that. And Sveshnikov is a very talented young player, so I can see why. Ooh, I can see why both sides went for this. Now that we're five minutes in, I'm be talking about a stupid trade. Uh, <laughs> let's get down to the uh, the actual recaps here. First one up is Ahmed beating Kevin six to five to one. Two wins, 62 saves, 2.4 goals against, and a 925 save percentage from Logan Thompson. Four assists and defense points from Carlson. Goal, four assists from Meyer. Three goals, two assists, 30 face-offs, 12 shots from Tage. Two goals, three assists, 12 shots, 15 hits from Evander Kane. On Kevin's end, four assists from Stutzla. Two goals, two assists for four defense points for Morgan Riley. Four goals, 42 face-offs for Dylan Strom. Goal, seven assists, three SDPs for Jack Hughes. Four goals, two assists for Hartman. Goal, three assists for four defense points for Noah Dobson. Two goals, three assists for Cam Atkinson. Three STPs for Sean Couturier. We've got Spencer beating Mike 7-5. Four goals from Frank Toronto, who is just on fire this year. Three goals, two assists, 17 shots for Pasternak. Goal, three assists, four defense points for Sandheim. Three goals, three assists, 18 shots for Jeff Skinner. 15 blocks for Alec Martinez. Four assists, 38 faceoffs for Dreisaitl. On Mike's end, a win, 22 saves, and a shutout for Thatcher Demko. Two wins, 45 saves, a 0.5 goals against a 978 save percentage for Sawayman. One goal, three assists, four defense points, and a four-game suspension for Charlie McAvoy going headhunting. Three goals, three assists, three STPs for Jesper Bratt. Goal, four assists for Adrian Kempe. Barry, running through Tom, 10-2. Joseph Wool. Two goals, 68 saves, a one goals against, and a 971 save percentage. Got a goal, three assists, 16 shots, and three STPs for Cole Caulfield. Two goals, two assists, four defense points each for Rasmus Stellin and Evan Bouchard. On Tom's end, though, the goaltenders, very good this week. A win, 111 saves, 206 goals against, and a 940 save percentage between Fleury and Corpusello combined. And then Shea Theodore, two goals, two assists, four defense points. Alex and Josh tie 6-6, six to six, as Barry so eloquently pointed out that Alex was in danger of not winning this week. Uh, we got two wins, 55 saves, a 195 goals against, and a 932 save percentage from Shesterkin for Alex. Two goals, two assists, 39 face-offs for Crosby, 45 face-offs for Hurdle. Josh's goaltending was fantastic this week. We got four wins, 130 saves, a 0.97 goals against, and a 9.73 save percentage combined between Ottinger, Jonas Johansson, and Darcy Kemper. We got three goals and an assist for four defense points for Drew Doughty, two goals, three assists, five defense points, and four special teams points for Adam Fox. 20 shots for Jay Gensel, a goal, four assists, and four STPs for Artemi Panarin. Josh's hometown Rangers going big for him this week in DSEC. Gotta love that for him. And Ronnie beating Ping 9-2-1. The combo of Sorokin and Hellebuck. Three wins, 98 saves, a 167 goals against, and a 950 save percentage. Claude Giroux, goal, three assists, 33 face-offs. Larkin also did the exact same thing as Giroux, but with three STPs. I got two goals and an assist with 43 face-offs for Sean Monahan. Two goals, four assists, and 28 shots for Alexander Ovechkin. Two goals, two assists, 15 shots, and 13 hits for Tom Wilson. Ping gets two goals, two assists, and four defense points for Mike Matheson, who is having quite the year. It's a very good find for 
ping. I don't know if it's really a fine because I don't think Matheson was an acquisition this offseason, but you want to talk about a player who was not uh, thought to be this productive and has really exceeded expectations. <laughs> that is Mike Matheson, folks. Three STPs for Mika Zibanejad. Three defense points and the special teams points for Shane Costas-Bear. Category leaders for the week. Kevin, 25 goals and 37 assists. Alex with 270 faceoffs. Ahmed with 202 shots. Ronnie with 94 hits. Alex with 80 blocks. Barry with 19 defense points. Kevin with 24 special teams points. Josh sweeping the goalie categories. Seven wins, 225 saves, 1949 goals against, and a, two, er, a 9.375 save percentage. No records were set this week nor last week. So that tells me there's a lot of parity in the league if teams are not blowing away certain categories or very much underperforming certain categories. So you'd love to see that. It's going to be more competitive, and it's only going to get more competitive from here on out as the teams that have been bad for the first few years, their young talent they've accrued are starting to make it. And the teams that have been on top, some of their aging stars are starting to hit the back end of their careers. So we'll see how this season plays out. Uh, players of the week, Tom Wilson at forward for Ronnie. Love to see that. Was very surprised. Did not expect that to happen. Rasmus Dahlin for Barry on defense. And Joseph Wall also for Barry in goal. Barry's tops of the week, top five skaters. Dahlin for Barry, Matheson for Ping, Fox for Josh, Ovi for Ronnie, and Jack Hughes for Kevin. In net, Jonas Johansson for Josh, Joseph Wall for Barry, and Jeremy Swayman for Mike. Uh, the belt matchup, of course, in this one was Alex. He retains on a tie. Um, I think we can go to standings now for hockey. Where your blue water walleye sit in first place. And this is a, it's a fun one. Love being in first place. I, uh, you know, see how long it lasts. I'm, uh, expecting some some of the teams are proud of my tail to make a good push but the wall are 24 9 and 3 uh two-way tie for second place hillsborough and scunthorpe uh two and a half games back alex is three and a half back kevin is five back mike is 10 back ahmed is 10 and a half back josh is 12 back ping is 12 and a half back and tom is 16 and a half back uh this will be the fourth week that we're playing right now so that means next week we will have a roto table. You know, we'll start to get some good sample for that, I feel. But until then, this week we have third place Scunthorpe, first place Walleye, fifth place Kevin, fourth place Alex, tenth place Tom, eighth place Josh, seventh place Ahmed, sixth place Mike, ninth place Ping, second place Spencer. Um, my matchup against Barry, probably going to be closer than some of our previous matchups have been. Um... We'll see how Kevin's team holds up against Alex. That'll be a good test for Kevin's team, but one Alex should still come out on top with. Uh, Josh versus Tom. This should be a statement week for Josh, a chance to uh, start to erase that tough schedule he had to start and put a few categories in the positive end of the ledger. Mike will see how his team holds up against a very stern test in Ahmed. And then Ping. Can Ping bounce back? Can he take anything off a red-hot Hillsboro team. Got a lot to uh, to watch for this week in hockey, I believe.
And that leaves the main event for this episode, basketball. Yeah, it's been a, been a minute since we've had to talk basketball, and that, it's uh, fun to have it back. You know, it's one of my, well, I, I, all four of these sports are one of my favorites to play a fantasy of, but basketball is very unique in its way that it's every night, like baseball and hockey are, but the counting stats are just so much more abundant that it's a little more volatile and you can get bigger swings and it's just kind of fun watching your guys put up big numbers or in my case tonight watching Dean Wade shit the fucking bed and have an awful performance just miserable miserable anyways enough about Dean Wade we don't he doesn't deserve to uh be dignified on the podcast here so we'll start out with the first of four consecutive matchups that all finished 6 to 3 Keith beat Mike 6 to 3 he got 63 points, 26 assists, 20 rebounds. I'm sorry, 63, 26 rebounds, 20 assists. 12 stocks and a 565 field goal percentage from Scotty Barnes. 58, 27, and 20 from Alper and Shangun. Mike got 72, 20, and 21 with 10 stocks. 909 from the free throw line for SGA. Then 9 blocks with a 917 free throw percentage from Triple J. Barry beat Ryan, 6-3. He got... 93, 31, and 21 with 12 stocks from Embiid. 13 stocks and 34 rebounds from Mitchell Robinson. 60 points with 12 threes from Jalen Brunson. Ryan got 75 points from Zach Levine. 38 and 27 with 9 stocks from Xavier Tillman. Josh beat Nathan 6-3. Josh got 83, 26, and 12 from KD. 40 and 38 from Capella. 77 and 36 with 909 for the free throw line from Anthony Davis. And then Dennis Schroeder, 47 points, 27 assists, 10 three-pointers. Nathan, of course, Nikola Jokic is going to be here. 79, 39, and 23, 615 from the field. Big week for Jokic. And then Laurie Markkinen, 73 and 25, 12 threes and a 917 free throw percentage. Spencer B. Berry, 63, 56 points, 28 rebounds, 13 three pointers from Max Struss, 61 points, 32 assists from Trey Young, 54 points, 46. Rebounds, 12 assists, 10 stocks, and 800 from the field from Jalen Duren. Huge week for Duren. 91, 20, and 19 with 14 three-pointers and a 9-13 free throw percentage from Tyrese Maxey. 70 points, 10 stocks from Donovan Mitchell on Ping's end. 69, 17, and 15 with 12 threes from Kawhi Leonard. 69, 31, and 22 with 571 from the field from LeBron James. Alex beat Kevin 5-4. to four. Uh, 82 points, 8 steals, perfect from the free throw line was Paul George. Then 11 stocks and 552 from the field from Aaron Gordon. Kevin got 57 points, 35 boards, and 7 blocks from Evan Mobley. Ahmed beat Sean 8-1. to one. That's a hell of an introduction to the league, beating your first opponent 8-1. to one. You got 53 points, 45 boards, 17 assists from Sabonis, 94 points, 13 Boards, 18 assists from Fox, 73 points from DeMar, 82, 23, and 17 with 12 threes and 580 from the field from Luka Doncic, who was incredibly efficient and put up some gaudy scoring numbers this week. And Sean, welcome back, Sean. Uh, no standouts this week for you, unfortunately. The Walleye beat Paolo, 72, 92, 16, and 11 with 17 three-pointers. Perfect from the free-throw line with Steph Curry. 67 points with 25 assists for Cade Cunningham. Paolo gets 72 points, 10, uh, 10 three-pointers. 
in 923 from the free throw line from Desmond Bain, 41, 35, and 20 from Randall, 41 points with 24 assists from Halliburton. Category leaders of the week, field goal percentage, 5442 for Ping. And then three in a row for me, free throw percentage, 8547, 78 three-pointers, 258 rebounds. Josh gets 159 assists. Alex with 48 steals. Josh, 33 blocks. Sean, 39 turnovers. And Ping, 632 points. Player of the week was Anthony Davis for Josh. And Davis also gets Barry's top spot in his top five. Second is Tyrese Maxey for Spencer. Third is Steph Curry for Ronnie. Fourth is Paul George for Alex. Fifth is Joel Embiid for Barry. Uh, Standings, we don't really need to do standings because, you know, pretty self-explanatory at this point you you all know who's uh who's where because i just read out the scores and we've only had one week so let's go straight to the scoreboard and then we will finish up with uh a trade because i forgot to get that off the top so this week second place walleye ninth place jobin first place apes 12th place isotopes 14th place the fool 10th place alabama 7th place Fargo versus 6th place Salesboro, 3rd place Connecticut and 5th place Gunthorpe, 11th place Nathan and 13th place Yo Let Me Get a Sausage Egg and Cheese with Ketchup, 8th place uh, Objection Protection, 4th place The Queen's Head Huncho. Okay, the trade as I mentioned. Um, Josh Green going to Ryan, Grady Dick going to Sean, it's a trade. I don't really have anything other than that. I don't have strong opinions on either player, so that to me feels relatively fair. I think. Yeah, that'll be uh, basketball for the week, and of course the belt uh, stays with Ahmed because Chris was the reigning DSAT champion, so I believe he would have the belt. There's no way the belt didn't make it into the playoffs, so. That's that. I don't think there's anything else to talk about with uh, the three sports. So, All right, and as I mentioned, we're going to do a special power ranking here at the very end. As I'm recording this, it is barely still Halloween night. That's why I looked up 15 of the most popular Halloween candies, and I'm going to give my opinion in what order I would prefer to get them if I were trick-or-treating. And we'll go bottom to top. We'll start with number 15, and I have candy corn. It sucks. I'd rather eat a candle. At 14, I have Twizzlers. Lurkerishes. It's fine. I don't love it, but there's much better candy here. Uh, 13, and this is where I'm going to have some pushback in the chat, I have a feeling, but Skittles, they just, they're fine. Sour Skittles are pretty good, but just regular old Skittles don't, doesn't do it for me. But at 12, we're going to have a regular old Hershey bar. I Chocolate is decent, but I, I, I can't do straight chocolate in more than like fun size amounts. And even that, it's kind of pushing it. Um, just ahead of the Hershey's, I'm going to have a Tootsie Pop. Tootsie Pops are very good. I uh, especially like the, uh, the cherry flavored ones. You know, get a good... Uh, Get a good sucker with the Tootsie Roll filling. Now, I know I mentioned I don't like straight chocolate, but Tootsie Rolls, I could eat a lot of Tootsie Rolls. Um, ahead of Tootsie Pops, we're going to have regular M&Ms. 
quality candy. I know there's chocolate. I don't mostly basically all chocolate, but uh, it's just it's better than a Hershey bar in my opinion. I can eat quite a few handfuls of M and M's. What are better than M and M's that are not on this list? Reese's Pieces. Similar idea, but Reese's Pieces are much better. Um, ahead of our M and M's, we have peanut M and M's. Same deal, but there's peanut in the middle. I'm more of a fan of peanuts than I am of chocolate, so we'll put that above it. We're kind of in the middle of the list here. Uh, we're going to go Almond Joy next. It's, it's, it's a decent candy bar, um, but there's better candy bars. Above Almond Joy, we have Kit Kat. Once again, it's kind of mostly chocolate, but uh, you get the wafer from there too. Um, one that did not make the list, but would pro- eh, I'll, I'll insert the one on my head here. Okay, I think I know where I want to put it. Okay, above Kit Kat, I'm going to have Starburst, like a good fruity candy. Starbursts are pretty good. I'm not particularly big on the uh, the pink ones, but give me a red. Red Starburst, by far the best. Cherry-flavored candies are really good. I don't like cherries, but cherry-flavored stuff, fantastic. Above Starburst, we're going to have Sour Patch Kids. These are really good. I love a good uh, good sour candy. The good, I like a good gummy candy too. And this is the best of both worlds. You know what? I'm actually gonna in my head. We're gonna move Star or Sour Patch Kids up one, and we're gonna move Snickers down below Sour Patch Kids. I, don't, I feel like Snickers is like the quintessential candy bar, the one that most people like. But it's all right. But I don't know. It's really good. But there's a couple I like better. Um. And I think the one that I mentioned, alluded to there a minute ago, uh, above Snickers and above Sour Patch Kids now, because I moved Sour Patch Kids up, uh, we're going to put Twix. Very good. I like Twix. As far as candy bars go, it's pretty good. Uh, ahead of Twix, we're going to have Milky Way. This, of all the chocolate candy bars out there, Milky Way is by far the best. And... This works with Snickers, too, and probably with Twix, but when you get a, a good, fun-size candy like this, you put them in the fridge. Ooh. A, uh, a chilled Milky Way. Oh, it's so good. Very, very good. Just ahead of Milky Way, uh, Payday. Love me a good Payday. Get the, the nuts in there. You get caramel. You get a little saltiness to it. Oh, that's that's a really good candy bar, folks. That is a really good candy bar. And number one on my list, unsurprisingly, it's Reese's. Any form. Uh, although, I, do, I could do my own power ranking on Reese's. So, we can get into it, but love peanut butter. The more peanut butter in a Reese's product, the better. So, those tiny little ones that like individually wrapped in foil, not so great because there's not much peanut butter. It's like mostly chocolate at that point. Um... You can work your way up to the fun size cups, uh, the regular cups, and then above the cups, the, the the very best is going to be your shapes, especially around Halloween. You, you get the, the pumpkins. I think they have bats. Uh, then you get towards Christmas, you get the, the the candy canes, the trees, and anything shaped Reese's is better because the little crimped edges of a Reese's peanut butter cup uh, allows for a little more chocolate to be around the outside. 
whereas the shapes have a thinner layer of chocolate, which allows for a better peanut butter to chocolate ratio. And like I mentioned to there, the peanut butter chocolate ratio is the key to the best Reese's. And shapes are pretty much where you're going to find that. Hey, Reese's shapes, far and away the best. There's no other contender on Halloween. Please feel free to engage with this list in the, the chat. I think that'll be kind of fun for you guys to tell me where I'm dead wrong or where you think I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm right. I'm obviously right on this. This list is perfect. There's no alterations you could logically make to it, but I'm sure people have their opinions, and they're entitled to them. Uh, for for the dads out there, and there was a few dads here, uh, dad tax. What are, you, what are you going into your kids trick-or-treating for the dad tax first? Or if you're passing out candy, what are you going to first with the leftovers? So... That'll be our, our little fun themed bonus for the end there. No guests this week, so I gotta throw you guys a little bit of a bone here and uh give you something to, you know, something more than just boring old recaps. So Yeah. Hope you guys uh enjoyed that and I hope you I really hope you agree that Reese's is the best. I it's it's no no debate. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed this one. And I will catch you all next time.